You're listening to a Chirp Radio podcast. For more interviews and stories, visit chirpradio.org slash podcasts. My name is Mick, and I am here for the Chirp Podcast, interviewing Dengue Fever on their tour stop at Lincoln Hall here in Chicago. I have four members of the band in the room with me. Thank you for having me today. How long is this tour? It's a special appearance for a performance called Cambodian Rock Band, which we're going to go see in a few minutes. And then afterwards, everyone comes across the street and sees us play on the same night. So it's kind of a um, theater and live music all in one night. That's fascinating. And before I turned on the recorder, you said that this was not an accident. No. Uh, a few years ago, the playwright Lauren Yee um, came to one of our concerts and asked after the concert if we would meet her and speak about the project she's working on. And she was working at South Coast Rep. And then she invited Dengue Fever to come and workshop the play with her. And she's using a great deal of our music for the play. And a couple of us from the band would go and workshop with the actors and help them perform the music, uh, bounce ideas off us. So it's pretty cool to see these actors performing our music. We're busy recording in the studio. We have, we have not been playing that many shows. So this is kind of a fly in, fly home so we, so we can get back to recording. So you've mentioned this, the play Cambodian Rock Band a couple of times. Can I get a synopsis or is that giving too much away? Do you want people to go and see this for themselves? It kind of taps into one of the characters who is a, uh, is kind of doesn't want to talk about the past and that past being the Khmer Rouge and what happened in Cambodia. And so it kind of taps into that and the generational shifts and the way that different generations look at that. Um, amongst other things, but yeah, I wouldn't want to give away too much. I really enjoy how the play is really a f- about family and generations and the family dynamic. And Lauren Yee has a way to make you laugh at some really dark subject matter, which is which is really interesting. You know, the fact that you could be kind of experiencing something really heavy, but then this humor sinks in, but really in a way where everyone can relate. It's It's... It's a lightning of really heavy moments, but then other times there's, she doesn't offer that laughter sometimes. Now, the style of music that you play is a fusion. It's a fusion of Cambodian psych rock and a myriad of influences from the United States. How is it that your style of music um, was either affected by the Khmer Rouge or generally um, impacted by the political developments in Cambodia? So we uh, were inspired by um, a body of work that was created in the late 60s, early 70s in Cambodia. Artists like Sin Sisamuth, Rosary Sotia. And so we played a bunch of those songs and we always wanted to write original songs right away, but it was a process because Nimal didn't speak English. Right off the bat, she knew all these old songs. So we would play, you know, like 10 of those. That music in Cambodia inspired us to form. And we just, you know, we all have our own influences. And when we go back to Cambodia, 
um, they still listen to that music. Uh, a lot of the, it's kind of like, I don't know if the young kids listen to it, do they? Right now? Yeah, do they listen to those? I think right now is, uh, I, I think they're listening because parents say, oh, this is uh, 1960. So I think the ki- uh, parents tell the kids keep listening, but they really need more more faster, not some slow. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think why do you think this style of rock music has such staying power? We all we never forget about how is we are the root from the Khmer Rouge to kill all the musician and we still listening and we still uh 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 missing them all the artists they die from Khmer Rouge. And I still people still appreciate about them. But right now is change a little bit, more pop, more hip hop, more faster. But our band like this is not that much in my country. So I think I remember every time we play in Cambodia, everybody's appreciate us a lot. Yeah. So something that I wanted to ask you, because I don't think I'm going to be, I'm going to have the opportunity to ask anybody else, where does Cambodian psych rock come from? It seems like it's a very specific blend of influences. Basically what happened was armed, uh, the U.S. armed radio, or armed forces radio rather, uh, had set up in that area in Cambodia and Laos um, in the 60s and uh they were broadcasting American rock and roll, British rock and roll, and songwriters in Cambodia, like, uh, you know, Sin Sesamut had heard this. And although he was writing traditional songs during the day, the, the, supposedly he would at night experiment with what he was hearing, you know, whether it was maybe some Hendrix or something like that. He would try to incorporate some of that into some of the music he was working on aside from the traditional stuff. So you can imagine those influences were all over the place. Um, and I think he was just, you know, we used to say it's kind of like a game of musical chairs that started in one place and continued in another and changed the recipes and of the music there. And, you know, it's a conversation that continues to grow to this day. But it's beautiful that music can create that connection, you know, and then it goes all the way to him. It's in Sistamuth, uh, Rosary Sotia, Pan Ron, and all the singers there. Uh, men and women were the stars in Cambodia, and then here we are, it snapping back at us, you know. So it's it's and you know and and at the same time being in this band with Nimal, I've learned things about Cambodia that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. What's one of those things? What what is one of the takeaways that um, working with a Cambodian musician has uh, has has imbued your life with? Well, I mentioned food, man. She can cook. Uh, so she makes these dishes for us, but sometimes it goes a little bit too far, like prohok, right? That's your favorite. Yes. <laughs> prohok is, is, is bird fish, very stinky, but very popular in our country. But uh, prohok, very stinky, like a, we call Cambodian cheese. Oh. Exactly like we, we eat cheese for the first time, ah, oh, stinky. Exactly like you guys, ah, oh, stinky, same thing. But us, amazing. <laughs> Is it fermented? Oh, yeah. Mud, a, I think, fermented, yeah. I think it's a fermented fish. Fermented oh. fish. Yeah, mud fish. Yeah. From the mud fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to eat it once at a festival, a Cambodian festival, and it was very similar to cat food for us. That It was like real, <laughs> real bony. I mean, Cambodian food's amazing, but Prohok, 
is that was that batch. That batch was rough That's and way, lots of bones, lots of bones, and lots of like fish eyes, and it was rough. <laughs> Okay, so they don't let anything go to waste. That's that's good to know. So I could see someone describing your music as world music. Is that a term that you embrace? I know that there are some neoliberal connotations to it. It's a little bit of uh, some commodification. Do we have any thoughts on that? Well, when I was younger, you know, I came out of the punk rock scene when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So world music to me was... Uh, was generally uh, white men dancing around with Guatemalan pants on. Mm. So it had a very negative connotation when I was younger. But I think today, it's, world music is defined just by multi, you know cultural music from around the world. I, I think it has um, a different connotation. But at the same time, I'm with Charles Mingus when he says, why can't it just be music? You know, good, there's good music and bad Amen. music. You know what I mean? And that's really what it is. And once you start to uh, heavily define it as world music or this music or rock music or garage music, then you confine yourself, you know? The whole world music label was actually supposedly started from record labels in the U.S. as a way for them to categorize things and make it easy for us to digest. So they created a world section. But obviously, you know, if you're from Spain and you're listening to music from Spain, we would call that world music, whereas there it's just so... It's really a marketing term that just makes it easier for people to find a record in a record store for good or for bad. Sort of like classic rock. Yeah. Also, one thing, too, I think world music for me, it got a lot cooler when labels like Sublime Frequencies came out and started and they started putting out music from, uh, you know, during like the 80s from Iraq and like Pakistan and then they did Cambodian compilations and Thai compilations all this cool stuff some from the 60s 70s 80s and just that kind of all of a sudden and we've always listened and you know been inspired by Ethiopian jazz so when you start to look at the music yeah it's just it's it's the world small everything. <laughs> yeah everything so you that's one world is together so even i don't understand what the language is but i'm enjoying to watch them even they ask me where are you from i say yeah cambodia but oh they also cambodia no they are <laughs> but only i'm singing cambodia so it's world music is very uh it's a lot a lot to see yeah so when can we anticipate the new record being out that will be the uh, probably early next year, I would guess. Yeah. So that's yeah, 2020, right? Right, right. Yeah, just yeah. We'll have a, a nice new record and hopefully a nice new president. Yeah. I think I think that's a great sentiment to go out on. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Mick, and I am speaking with Dengue Fever for the Chirp Radio podcast here at Lincoln Hall. Thank you so much for your time today, everyone. Have a great show. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can find this and other interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Chirp Radio, hear what's next.